0: Welcome to the Faith and Culture Now podcast. I'm Scott Schiffer, and today I am glad to be joined by Dr. Damian Williams. Damian, good to have you here. Hey, thank you so much, my friend. Glad to be here. Looking forward for
1: our time together. uh, Yes, indeed.
0: Well, Damian and I have known each other now for a number of years. We went to school together, did our undergrad degrees together at Dallas Baptist University, and then we sort of went separate directions in ministry, and he is the Senior Pastor of New Hope Baptist Church in Dallas, and so uh, you have also recently finished your doctorate's degree, and so I'm um, very excited about that for you.
1: Thank you. Appreciate it. It's been a long journey, but you know,
0: we got it done. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> well, um, one of the things you talked about in your, um, your project for your doctoral degree deals with church planting in urban settings. And so we thought it would be good today for us to talk a little bit just about um, things we need to know about church planting and the culture in this day and age, uh, as well as um, you know, maybe some things churches can think about to better reach the communities around them. Right now, there's a lot of polarization in our culture. And um, I think the church should be a place of healing and reconciliation from that, not a place to further promote um, anything negative, if you will. So, uh, so with that being said, what are some pieces of advice you might have for someone thinking about planting a church uh, or planting a church specifically in a more urban setting? Okay, uh, thanks for that question. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, so you know, it all started for me back when we were in Little Rock. I was vice president at a. Uh, the college there and really felt God calling us back home to uh, the plan of work here in, in in urban Dallas I had not lived in Dallas at that time for about 12 years mm-hmm. uh, after after I finished my undergrad start became a senior pastor in East Texas and one thing led to another different uh, you know, jobs in higher education as well as, as pastoring and so finally came home to the plan plant the work in 2015. And, uh, you know, I would say, make sure that, that, that God is calling you to it because it is it is the absolutely most difficult thing to do in ministry. So uh, planet, it's, 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 it's both and it's the most difficult, yet the most gratifying at the same time, especially when you're going to an urban community where uh, the socioeconomic Situation may be different, uh, talking, talking, talk planning in heart, in a heart space. And not only uh, is it socioeconomics, uh, but it's also from an educational standpoint, you know, many of my friends left me and they went to suburban area and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, were able to raise a lot of money. And so for me, I had to take the uh, approach that I had to try to reach multiple people. Just to try to raise, raise, raise those funds. So not only making sure that God has called you to do it, you gotta make sure your your, your spouse is on board uh, because it's gonna be a lot of sacrifice on, on, on your spouse's part uh to, to make it happen, right? When you first start, it's you, your, 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 your wife and and the kids, and a, sure and not. a and a God-given um dream, right? Call to go and plant. And and then you just got to go for it. You, you've got to you've got to uh, you've got to sit down and really uh, think about some of the things that you learned in school, how they may or may not be apl- applicable to where you're going. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> the stuff I learned at DBU uh, was great, but but I gained nothing as it relates to how to plant a church in, in urban America. So. Yeah. Um, so I literally, uh, went back to school for free. And, and when I say that I learned everything I could. Uh, so I, I looked at about 10 different church planning models, uh, mm-hmm. before deciding to plant. And, uh, you know, we ultimately settled with the, um, Southern Baptist of Texas, uh, to plant, to plant our work. And, um, uh, went through the whole assessment process and I'll, I'll talk about that, I guess in, in a minute, but, but, you know, you talk about what's the main thing just, just know for a fact that you have been called to this work because I'm, and it's a reason, you know, in, in 24 months, 36 months, the people typically are, are done uh, mm-hmm. because the money runs out, the funding runs out. Sometimes the people run out and and so you have to know that that hey not just that i have the call but now i've got to find the resources that that, and that may be mean be like paul where you have to be a tent maker and Mm -hmm. and be by vocational during the time of your plant
0: so yeah. yeah no that's all really great advice and you know everybody i've talked to who's planted a church says very similar things you know it's one of the best things they've done and one of the hardest things they've done. And, oh yeah. Absolutely. Uh, you know, having the whole family on board is important. I think having a team of people working with you is important, uh, you know, because it's not something you can do on your own. Right. And um, having people on your team who also understand the difficult nature and challenges of what you're facing. And I applaud you for going to an urban area in the first place. There are a lot of people that go, I want to plant a church. And what they really want to do is, go plant something that'll be easy to do uh, in a nice new neighborhood or something like that. And uh, they don't really want to go where clearly there's a need, but uh, where the need will not be an easy road. That's right, that's right. And you know, not too far from DBU
1: is where we ended up planning in the 75232 zip code area. Mm-hmm. My Actually the place I went to high school is, is in that zip code as well. And so while it's, it is an urban area for us, it was still a familiar area sure. and, and we're right across the, we were right around the corner from you know, three mega churches within a two mile radius of us. Mm-hmm. So that poses a whole different uh, issue. Right. And so, so we did assemble a team together. And by the time we launched, we probably had about 40 people uh, that, 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 stuck with us. And the coming back home had that did have its advantages, right? Because mm-hmm. we were able to assemble a core team quicker than probably most people who would go to what we call sin cities uh, mm-hmm. with Nam, or Denver or Phoenix, you know, one of those cities that you're not familiar with. We we felt called to come back home. Now, it does have, have its plus and minuses, coming back home <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because uh, you may be able to assemble a team uh, together, but and with it, a lot of it being some family, some friends, um, you still have to to manage all of that uh, and and what comes with it. But it has uh, it was a it was a wonderful opportunity and wonderful time that we had. And I and we didn't close it down. Uh, I got called to my home church, and we just merged in with my home church, which is Dallas's oldest African American church. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been about sixteen months now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you know um, another thing you mentioned is you going back home. You know, um, the fact of the matter is, being able to do that, you sort of understand the culture absolutely. and understand what's happening around where you're at. And when someone goes to plant somewhere where it's a culture they're not familiar with, I mean, you have to spend extra time just learning the culture before you can really move forward with what you're doing.
1: Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely, you absolutely! Absolutely right. Without knowing, it's not going to work very well. Right. No, you're absolutely, you're absolutely correct. Uh, so we did have that advantage. My, my wife and I are both from the city. And uh, I went to Carter. She went to Skyline. And uh, so inner city rivals, right? <laughs> uh, but we are able to come together, of course, and, and plant a work that we think, um, you know, we were able to, through God's spirit, bring people who are far from God to a, life-saving relationship with them. And, and, and now there are disciples for them and, and reduplicating that process that we tried to teach you know, those who, who started out with us and who are still with us now. So, yeah.
0: yeah, Very good. Well, what do you think some of the biggest needs are in, um, in areas that need churches? Like, what are some things you're seeing going, okay, this is really you know, where the church can meet people where they're at and minister to people, especially in urban settings?
1: Yeah, I think literacy is, is critical. Uh, and, and we oftentimes take that for granted, but literacy is definitely needed and uh, basic adult education. So I think having a background in higher education administration, you know, we were afforded the opportunity to do some of those things. Um, let's see, I think, um, you know, you're talking about hunger, food, right? People needing basic necessities. If you're gonna plan in a hard space, <laughs> You better get ready to, to be a major outreach hub for, for the community that you're trying to reach in, in an urban, in urban space, because all of those, so there are a lot of single parenting, mm-hmm. right? So you're talking about parenting skills, uh, even grandparents having to raise the children, their grandchildren, right, their oh, yeah. children. So, so you're talking, there is, uh, you're talking about re-entry into society, Uh, for those who have been incarcerated. I mean, it's a a laundry list of things there, right? And I just think you need to be everything that uh, Matthew 25 talks about. When Jesus Mm -hmm. was talking about, he was hungry and he was thirsty, didn't have a uh, place to lay his head. And he said, and when you've done it, the least of them you've done it unto me. I just think Mm -hmm. as an urban church uh, planter, you have to be prepared for whatever. Sure, we had our target audience. Sure, we had a wonderful, uh, you know, uh, laid out A, B, C, D, E, right? We, we had all of our prospectus laid out. And I try to tell planners all the time, listen, you want whoever walks through those doors.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. so,
1: so, so, you know, you have all of that and you have to go through an assessment with whatever body or ecclesiastical uh, group that you're going to go to the plant. But but you want whoever God sends through those doors. And, and while you do have your target group and you and you need to have that, uh, you're thankful for whoever God sends and you need to be ready for all of those things that I talked about in your community and these urban spaces. And I haven't even started dealing with English second language. Uh, Oh, yeah. And uh, and all those type things as well. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Another friend of mine planted a church. Or maybe he didn't plant it. Maybe he just came to the church. But whatever the case was, one of the ministries the church did. It was a bilingual church. And um, one of their big outreaches was um, not only teaching ESL, but also helping people go through the formal process correctly to become uh, citizens of the United States, because many came over here not even understanding really what they needed to do to become proper citizens. Yeah. And um, that's good, you know. I think you know. Anytime the church can meet um, real needs, you know, um, physical needs, things like that, um, it it opens the door to build a bridge to the gospel. Uh, But I think it also shares the shares the kingdom of God with the community around the church because um, the church is in essence saying, you know, we're under the authority and the goodness of God. And we are going to share that with you to minister to you um, so that you can see how good the Lord is, you know, Uh, and I really like that you guys are doing a lot of uh, providing food and basic necessities. Uh, Our church has been doing uh, meals every Saturday where uh, I think people in the community can come through and uh, they come to the church, they pick up meals. And uh, I think one of the ladies at our church maybe is working with one of the schools or a couple of the schools in town to help provide that, yeah. that food. Um, but there's, there's a very, uh, especially with COVID and everything else, you know, uh, there's a great need for that. And you mentioned, uh, you know, you're seeing a lot of grandparents raising children. Uh, I can tell you in our church, I can probably think of 10 grandparents just off the top of my head who have kids living with them uh, our grandkids living with them that they're raising. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's definitely a very, very common place where we're at. Yeah. And, um, a lot of those folks really, really could use help, especially if they're not, uh, working the way that they used to and don't have the same kind of income that they had when they were younger or whatever else the case be. Right. You know, for us, you know, being where we are and two
1: of the most, uh, Probably, probably poverty-stricken communities in 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 in, the, in Dallas, zip code seven five two one zero and seven five two one five here in South of Dallas. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, ne- we're near the Fair Park area. It's a it's a tough space. Over seventy percent of the persons around us are renters, wh- whether they're in apartments or whether they are, you know, in, in homes that they're renting. Mm-hmm. So last August, I connected with a brother who is. Um, the founder of Bring the Light Ministries, Pastor Earl Fitzsimmons, good brother. You know, I had been praying, I had only been at the church. I got called back home to my home church in December of 19. Well, March, pandemic hits, right? right. And so I'm struggling for all these months, like, Lord, what can we do? What can we do? What can we do? And two things I knew we can do immediately. And that was 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 to to feed and educate, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and so, and I was praying for, for Lord to just open up a door for that to happen. And I met brother Earl that July and by September, uh, I'm sorry, by August of 2020, right in the midst of the pandemic, um, you know, we just started, uh, feeding. So every, uh, for three times a week or three times a month, rather, uh, first, third and fourth Saturdays, we have anywhere between two to 4,000 boxes of of food uh, that, that folks can come. And we have now expanded to about five to six locations on the weekend. Very good. Uh, that's so, so all of the 18 Willis come to our church. And then we have different ministries throughout the community come. We've got the whole forklift, flapjack and all that. And we put in the back of their U-Hauls or whatever type of vehicle they have. And then they go to their communities and, and feed as well. And so since August, we've been doing that uh, consistently. And the other one is educate. And then when I say that, you know, one of the things I notice is if, if a kid is hungry, they w- you will not have their attention in school, right? Mm-hmm. They just will not pay attention. They can't pay attention because their tummy is is growling. And uh, and in our area, we're in an area that, that sorely needed it. So we had a food, we're, and we're in a food desert as well. Closest mm-hmm. grocery store to us is about three miles. Uh, so, so we've been able to provide, you know, uh, some type of meat, uh, potatoes, those little cutie oranges,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, you know, all those yogurt, cheese, and milk on a weekly basis for for three times a month. And 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 now, we know that when a child has eaten they can pay attention even more while, while sitting in the classroom with other, other students. And that's just been, that's just been a couple of things that we've, that we've done in our community. Well, um, and
0: you say three miles and, you know, you, some people might hear that and go, well, that's not very far. You just get in your car and drive there, but you got to realize have a in your setting, <laughs> a lot of people don't have a car.
1: They don't have a car. They're on public transportation. So mm-hmm. you're talking, we're on the, down, we're south of what we would call uh, the S.M. Wright Freeway. Mm-hmm. Church faces what it will be a boulevard. And so you're talking north east of us about two to three miles is the closest grocery store. And so yeah. you're talking catching a couple of buses, right?
0: Yeah. To get you know, there. Your quick trip takes an hour. And oh yeah, for sure. Absolutely, uh, that's just travel time, right? So that's travel
1: time, not shopping time. But then you got to get all those groceries back on a bus somehow, back home. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 I just tell you, brother, it's it's been tough, but but we've seen God provide, right? And 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 one of the things I like about New Hope is we've done that in the community for almost 148 years. Mm-hmm. Um, we just have to have. We just took it to another level. Uh, in November. And we, for years, have you know paid uh, rent for people, bought groceries, paid electric bills, all those things. And we used to have a program called Summer of Hope, which will be reinstituting whenever this pandemic is over. where we take about 30 to 40 uh, kids uh, during the summertime. So we're New Hope Baptist Church. We call it a Summer of Hope. And so they come here, they get a Bible lesson, they get tutoring for where they may fall short in school mm-hmm. then we take them on educational field trips throughout the city and then we ended with a uh, a big bang where the parents can come and see what they've done for the last six weeks during the summer then we go then we go to somewhere like Six Flags or Hurricane Harbor to, to close it out no charge to them right yeah yeah uh, because we have to be a, a, a blessing to them or they wouldn't be able to come so um but yeah, so so this urban urban church planning is tough. Pastoring in urban America is tough, but I've always been that guy. Why run away from the fire? Run to the fire, right? Yeah. Mean, we took that we took Dr. Bell, right? We took Dr. <laughs> Dr. Noggle uh in school and that was us running to the fire, right? So <laughs>
0: Yeah, and and and, uh, so, yeah, for so our yeah. listeners, we had, a, we had a theologian named Dr. Bell, and your grade was your final exam. It was 100%, right. and it was all essay. You came, and however well you did, that was your grade in the class, what and tell you hey, what, that's, that's rough.
1: That's <laughs> very, very rough, so yeah.
0: But, well, uh, you know, when in, when you talk about, uh, you know, running to the fire and, and trying to help people, uh, you know, I know in recent months I've seen you post some really great things on social media and uh, you talk about educating people. A minute ago, you mentioned, you know, people that have been incarcerated and kind of helping them get back into the community and that kind of stuff. Um, one of the things I saw you post a while back was uh, uh, encouraging people at your church to get registered to vote and to, uh, you know teaching them how to get registered to vote. And for those who had been incarcerated, teaching them how to go through the process of getting things where they can vote again and, and so on. And uh, you know, I think that's like in that's just invaluable. You know, uh, that that not only tells your people, hey, we care about your physical needs, but also we think you're valuable enough to have a contributing voice in what's happening in the larger picture of our, you know, our state, our, you know, our county, and our country. Sure. And uh, you know, it's it's really important for the people you're ministering to to feel valued, yeah. and providing for their needs is a way of showing them that you value them. Uh, educating them on how to do things like vote or um, you know, other things of that nature is, is a way of showing value, uh, providing opportunities for them to meet with other people in the same similar situations uh, where they can have fellowship and community is a way to show value. Um, what are, um, in your mind, what are some of the benefits of, um, I guess, if you will, empowering the people in your community uh, through through meeting some of these needs? How do you see that affecting the community in a positive manner? Yeah,
1: I think, you know, if you, if you live in a community,
0: you ought to be
1: a vibrant member of the community. So it's not just suck up or soak up, if you would, everything that the community has to offer. But I've always been taught and raised, no, no, you be a part of it. And so talking about just the whole voting piece and an African-American church, we talk about social justice, right, mm-hmm. uh, uh, quite a bit. And, and, we, and, and we try to teach that your voice is your vote because we're only 50, 50 years removed, if you will, from the Voted Voters' Rights Act, right? Oh, yeah. And, and so we just want to just tell folks that, you know, don't just talk about the issues we have in society, become a part of the process to whoever your candidate is. We never push candidates. We say whoever your candidate is, but remember that your vote, your voice is your vote. So use your constitutional right that our our forefathers died that we may have to be and make a difference in our communities. And I think when you educate people like that, they feel a a sense of empowerment, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a sense of community that, that you know what, we were able to come together and get this done because we did it together. And I think we can always do things, especially we're talking about the body of Christ, right? And then a lot of folks who I talk to may not be in the community, but the goal is through our social justice initiatives that we use that as the carrot, right? To even get those who are far from God to still come into a, uh, a relationship with, with Jesus. So 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 so, how do we interact with the with the culture without becoming contaminated by the culture? And that is by being countercultural, and and we become countercultural by by being intentional. it says one thing for me to have orthopraxy. Uh, but it's another thing, or orthodoxy, but it's another thing for me to have orthopraxis. So I don't want to just know the text. I I, I want to know now I've got to do something about that which I've read. So my, my know-how needs to connect with my do-how, right? That's and right. So I need to have my newspaper in one hand and my Bible in another hand, and then I can do something about the social yeah. issues that we have in our community.
0: You know, I think it's real interesting that you look at it that way. I, I agree completely. Um, but, you know, I think there's a lot of people who are kind of like, as, you know, especially in the Bible Belt, you get a lot of people who are, are um, very um, hesitant to be involved in the community, or it's kind of like we have the church community and that's the other community and we just sort of do the church community. But the church, you know, it, it's sort of a, it's a misunderstanding of in the world, not of the world, you know? Right. Uh, Being of the world means being characterized by the sinful practices of the world. The Christians should not be characterized by sinful practices, but we should be in the world, and we should be a voice in the world, in our community around us, so that we can, um, if you will, uh, you know, make positive changes in the community for everyone, not just for ourselves. That's right. And um, so, yeah, this is really good, and, you know, you're absolutely right, the Bible uh, you know, when you read it, it teaches you how to think, but it also teaches you how to act. That's right. And if you know what to do, but you don't do anything about it, then, you know, it doesn't really do you that much good. So the Bible itself is a call to practice right. and a huge, huge issue in scripture in the Old Testament and the New Testament and the gospels and the epistles, uh, you know, everywhere all throughout is the idea of God caring for the needy and God caring for the poor, God caring for the oppressed, uh, God caring for those who don't have a voice, God caring for those who are victims, God caring for those who um, are considered less valuable members of society. Uh, I mean, you know, in, in the ancient world, women were essentially treated as property And you see Jesus throughout the Gospels talking openly with women in public and, um, you know, speaking value into women in public. You see Paul, you know, in the book of Romans mentions 10 different women by name who are ministers of the gospel with him, helping him plant churches and carry out, uh, you know, the spreading of the good news. And uh, uh, in the same way, uh, you know, throughout Scripture, you see uh, just all kinds of care and concern given to those who typically you wouldn't see that for in the gospels. You also find, uh, you know, these Pharisees and others come to Jesus and say, you know, who's my neighbor. He tells a story about a Samaritan who is someone that the people that he was speaking to would have simply been racist against. And he says, that's the person that's your neighbor. And that's the guy who was the best neighbor in my story, you know, and, um, You know, it's, you know, the gospel is a call to, uh, you know, really to, to see the value in all people and to, um, do good for all people, uh, in addition to, of course, presenting the person of Jesus Christ and, you know, all the other, uh, you know, typical things you, we understand as Christians to be, you know, the essential beliefs of our faith. Right. Absolutely. No,
1: I I wholeheartedly agree with, with everything you just said. And, um, You know, we've, 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 we've come a long way, but yet we have a long way to go. And I think, uh, you know, somebody once said, how do you eat an elephant? And, uh, and it's one piece at a time. Right. And it's going to take whites and blacks and, and every other race to, uh, those of us who are part of the Christian faith to, to, to do just, just that. And that is to care for, uh, Everything that you talked about, the needy, the oppressed, those who are marginalized, who on the outside and, and and I've also noticed that there are those who are not just down and out, but there are also those who are up and out, those who do have who do have things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, who also are in need. Marriages are breaking down, way with children, they have the same issues, they just have more resources uh, than <laughs> those who may be in our community that we that we minister to. So but but you know, we're we're in for it we're in we're, we're in for it for the long haul. Uh, Doc, and um and I'm and I'm grateful to come on today to, to talk a little bit about uh you know the work that I've I've tried to write on and, and my dissertation and the work that we're doing here, you know, and, and this yeah. tough urban space and community here in Dallas. Yeah.
0: You know, it's important work and uh, I'm I'm really uh, just very Very encouraged to hear all the things you guys are doing to see how God's moving in your church and in your community. And, um, you know, again, thanks for for being on today, you know, with me. And, uh, uh, you know, for, for those of you that are listening, you know, the fact of the matter is, no matter what your community looks like, whether it's an urban community, whether you're out in a rural area, whether you're in a low income or a high income area, there are needs. And, it's important for our churches to look around, open the doors, look outside, and go, "What's happening around us?" and how does uh, you know, how, how would it look if we were to take the gospel to them, take God's kingdom to them, and you know whoever you know the people surrounding you are, and um, and ask yourself, you know, what is our church doing, and how are we following God's lead in meeting the needs around us, and um, that can come in a number you know variety of ways. Sure. But uh, whatever it is, I want to encourage you, if your church is not doing much, to uh, be a voice of, of hope and to talk to the right people to make something happen uh, so that your church is, in fact, doing what it needs to be doing to be in the world uh, and taking God's kingdom to the world. So uh, once again, thank you guys for, your, uh, for listening. And, and Damien, thanks for being on today. And we'll see you next time on the Faith and Culture Now podcast.
1: Thank you again for the opportunity, my brother.